0: when I think about myself today versus myself 20 years ago, then I had a lot of stories that I really believed were so true that I was a victim of them. Today, I still have a few stories that I'm telling, but I'm like eager to find them. I'm curious about them. You're listening
1: to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast.
2: Here we go. Hello. Welcome to Almost 30.
1: Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast.
2: It's a wacky day in the studio. It's a
1: <laughs> wacky day in the studio.
2: Hey, uh... You want to touch my hair more?
1: <laughs> I know. I've got Lindsay's hairbrush and I've been brushing. <laughs> Stay steady brushing.
2: Because there's no more room in your hairbrush because there's so yeah. much hair. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, my hair was so greasy yesterday. I don't know why. Oh. G- you saw it. It was like a slick back. Justin's yeah. like... Did you wash it right now? What's today? What's going on? He's yeah, like, what's did. going on, Colin Farrell? Yeah, I, wa- I washed it today. I don't know why I'm so greasy. Mm. Just on the hair though. I think I was just overly moisturized. Um, <laughs> This is kind of random, but when i was really blonde you had to use so much moisturizer cuz my hair was so porous and now that i'm darker i don't need as much conditioner cuz my hair is less porous oh yeah so that's why it's like i've been still using that same routine as when i was really blonde and it just gets greasy i actually now
2: just use it a little dime size really i never followed that rule before, before but now i do cuz really? then it just i my hair will never dry yeah if i use too much conditioner yeah that's true really groundbreaking conversations here on almost 30 <laughs>
1: Health and Wellness Podcast.
2: Hello. Keep your hair. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a health and wellness podcast, but we do health and wellness kind of 360. We talk about everything from spirituality to sexuality to relationships, entrepreneurship. We just want you feeling like you're best and feeling like you're not alone. So we have an incredible community. You can meet some of them in the Almost 30 Secret Facebook group. And you can also meet them in person, in real life. We have ambassadors all over the world who are creating community where they are. Ambassador programs pop. It's It's popping. It's been insane. So great. We love you all very, very
1: much. Yeah, and we're so proud of you for doing everything. Lindsay and I were just laughing at the Justin Bieber post where he was apologizing about the fake pregnancy news.
2: Yeah. One, I need Justin to have someone uh, edit his post before he sends them out. It is a stream of consciousness like I've never seen before. In the post, it says, I truly don't
1: want anyone to be hurt by a prank, dot, dot. It's like when I shove cake into my little sister's face for her birthday, expecting (laughs) her to laugh, but she cried. She's like, one. (laughs) You sometimes don't know who will hurt what will hurt someone's feelings? Not to compare pregnancy with cake in the face, but it's just to paint the picture of not knowing what will offend.
2: Wow, stream of consciousness. Keep going. Hashtag
1: prankster. Hashtag Dennis <laughs> the Menish. Hashtag sorry. Hashtag truly. Is Dennis the Menish sorry? Did Haley pr-
2: did Haley apologize? I didn't even check. No,
1: dude. If I ran, I'd fucking prank the. I'd prank, prank the world prank all for of a them, living. But he leaves the post up still. I would prank the press all the time. Because they they are such honestly, they've, to him. Yeah, they've they yeah they they fuck with, with you all the so time. Hard. Might as well.
2: So hard.
1: Might as freaking
2: well. Yeah. Anyway, we had a a really good comment slash question in the secret Facebook group. We always are in there, kind of wondering what you all are, you know, dealing with and what we can talk about. Any questions, topics? So today, we had a good one. We had a good question.
1: All right, we've got to listen a question. She sent us a lot of love at the top. And here's the question. I have had a few arguments with my partner about magic and spirituality. Recently, I was talking about crystals and he said, do you actually believe that works? First, I want to say that he's an amazing boyfriend and I love him very much, but I'm wondering how you deal with spiritual conversations when your partner doesn't
2: believe what you believe. What are your thoughts? Ooh, I've had this so many times and I'm sure you've had it kind of in a evolutionary state with Justin over the years. For sure. You go first because you have more experience with the relationship side of it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's I guess my spirituality kind of began in college. So I was in a relationship in college for a long time, for about five years. And it was actually something that made us grow apart you know, when I really started to dive into spirituality and I became vegetarian, which was kind of like groundbreaking at the time, 15 years ago. And it was, or 20 years or 10 years ago, whatever. And no one else was really doing it. And then I really started to dive into like meditation and all of these things and read the secret. So it was something that I felt like as I was progressing or going in a different direction was something that was dividing us. And ultimately was one of the reasons that we broke up. So at that time though, my approach with it and my approach in that relationship was very like my way or the highway. So I wasn't really understanding of their point of view or what they were doing or of their journey or of their growth. So I didn't really care if they were going to be doing what I was doing or not because I didn't really want to be in the relationship in the end anyways. Uh, Not to be savage, but to be savage. And then with Justin... And during the time when I was single before I met him, I really, you know, dove in headfirst to my spirituality. And with Justin, it's really grown. And I think one of the things that I learned from being in that long-term relationship and being in many relationships before I was with Justin was I now see myself as a complete separate entity from my partner. You know, although Justin is my my soul contract, he is my everything. I really, really focus on myself and my personal growth outside of him completely while I you know, expect him to respond to me respectfully and kindly and thoughtfully and listen to any ideas or any practices that I'm bringing into my life that are affecting me spiritually in a good way. I don't expect him to be doing things with me. I don't expect him to be meeting me at the same level with the spiritual hunger that I have. And I really respect his path and his journey. Would it be my dream if he was doing more with me? Yes, but it's not for me to decide what he's doing. It's only for me to focus on myself fully.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's the thing where like, you almost can't have expectations um, as it relates to their spiritual understanding, journey, interest, whatever it is, because you're going to be let down. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're going to work at a different pace and they're going to have different interests. Honestly, like playing basketball on a Saturday Saturday for them could be spiritual. So, you know, just allowing them to watch you and experience you doing your thing, I think is enough. And and what I've been doing, I think when I was in a long-term relationship in college, I definitely was not spiritual. I had, Intuitive pulls that I ignored because I was just so, you know, enveloped in that relationship and worried about what he would think and what his friends would think and what my friends would think. And so um, now, like having been out of that for so long and technically kind of single for a long time, I've really been able to commit to those things that make me feel more alive, that make me feel more spiritually centered and connected. And I feel good, and so when I've dated people recently, and they kind of see "quote unquote" weird things I do, I try not to give it too much attention. To be completely honest, like I try to make it—it is my normal, so I just—it is normal. So if if they're a little freaked out by it, I don't indulge that. (laughs) They're inquisitive. I'm happy to answer like questions and be playful about it in that way. But it's—it's a non negotiable for negotiable for me and they don't have to be just like you said about Justin. They don't have to be doing it, right? If they want to, like I dated a guy last year and um, he had never meditated before and he like, you know, lived by the water. I was like, this is fucking perfect and you're going to love me for this. So I'm actually going to see if you like this. (laughs) And he did, you know what I mean? So it's like those little things. And then they kind of like, uh, have a, a different appreciation for what you're doing. So what I would say to, to you, our listener asking the question, I mean, I think they don't know how to react. So they just make fun because it's playful and you know, but it could be hurtful because I know these, these things are really important to you. And maybe it's just that maybe it's a little playful back where it's like, Hey man, these are important to me. Like, watch me do them or like, don't like, I'm going to do them no matter what. And they're important to me and they make me better for myself and for you. So, you know, if you have any questions, let me know, but just keep doing you. I, I, I do think eventually they catch on. Eventually they understand, you know, that they connect the dots.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that I always go to physics too, like with a lot of this shit, like related to energy and crystals and spirituality you can use physics Mm -hmm. as a way to explain a lot of what is happening. So now with quantum physics coming out with so much information and ideas, I think that's been really helpful for the spiritual community because now the quantum physics realm supports a lot of what the spiritual community experiences and believes. And it allows us to kind of come together and have an explanation for both sides. And then too, for Justin and I, we I do... I get two activities a month. So I get two things that I could do with him that are kind of out there. So if that's like two nights ago, I, I reiki him and that was one of my activities a month. So like, I'll get to take him to a sound bath or he, he kind of pushes it where he'll be like, if I'm like, Hey, did you want to go on a walk? He's like, okay, that's one of your activities, but it <laughs> <Hey>, seems, <man. laughs> seems savage, but he allows me to do weird shit with him for two, two times a month. And then on the flip side too, I'm trying to be more supportive about basketball. <laughs> and I'm trying to be more supportive about him doing whatever because I know that that's what makes him happy. But also I think too, when people and you know guys in particular, especially if you're dating them, can feel an energy of insecurity about something when you're explaining it to them, it kind of makes them be like, what? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's like I'm getting an energy that you don't know why you like this or whatever. And you kind of just have to be like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah.
2: Just be confident with it.
1: You know, and and join you know a subgroup in your area to talk about things like this, yeah. or talk about it with us. You know, in mm-hmm. the community and almost thirty nation, and
2: we're always here for you. But um, and instead I'm so of so Net- Netflix and chill, just do Gaia and chill. Yeah, Gaia's the <laughs> Gaia is best. Gaia, or G- even YouTube. A-I-A. YouTube. Yeah, they might get interested by like actually seeing yes. some things explained, like you said, scientifically.
1: Yeah, like look at uh, up, look up shit about the pyramids. Is yeah, dope. It's wild. Mars is dope. There's a lot of stuff on the moon. Like if you kind of look in the world for
2: different things
1: that it can be really interesting, I think for both guys and girls. Mm -hmm. So tons.
2: Totally. That's a good one though. That's, that can be challenging and can kind of like send you into a spiral if you don't know how to like, yeah,
1: and if it's your first it.
2: dabble into it.
1: Mm-hmm. And crystals are weird, but they work. It's like kind of... Weird they work. And I always think about with crystals. It's like, dude, the pyramids were made with like quartz crystal. Like there's... Uh, computers are made of quartz crystal. Like there's so much as far as explaining how crystals work that you could leverage as an example, but also don't feel like you need to explain mm-hmm. yourself.
2: I'm trying to think of something weird that guys do on a regular basis that I'm like, huh? Yo, yeah. So many things.
1: <laughs> I can't even...
2: <laughs> Do you have one?
1: No, it's just been wild at our house lately.
2: Oh, yeah. We've
1: been really wild lately. Tell me more. I don't know. We've just been like fucking wild. Like just doing the weirdest shit all the time. Like it's even, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's just so hard to explain like the (laughs) the things that we say and the stuff that we do. Like this morning, Justin like (laughs) had his... (laughs) <laughs> he had his leggings on. He's wearing leggings underneath his basketball shorts. Yeah, yeah. And he literally tucked his dick in <laughs> his back and at the front of his leggings. And was acting like a girl for like 10 minutes. Oh, it's just so I, crazy. I'm sure he would love you. <laughs> love. I know 100% literally I'm going to get broken no, up with. But keep my, it between us. I think a lot
2: of guys do that. That's fucking funny.
1: It was hilarious. That is so funny. And we were talking about this there's a podcast called The Big One, uh, which talks us that which talks to us about the San Andreas Fault, which is in California and um, basically talks about the fact that a devastating earthquake could be coming at any minute cool. or in several decades in Los Angeles and Southern California. And then Justin was talking about how every twelve thousand years or something, basically on in the earth, the poles have completely shifted and then shifted back. So there have been experiences and times when they found like woolly mammoths in the middle of the United States that that have been flash frozen and they were in the middle of eating or something like that. And it was basically because at a few points in time in our uh, Earth's history, the poles have shifted. And through the past couple of years, like, and I think last year, the the poles shifted 200 miles and previously it used to be like a few feet at a time. So right now our Earth's poles are shifting very quickly and they've said because it happens, you know, every so often that the Earth completely shifts its poles and then shifts back to recalibrate for reasons that I don't know. But
2: this obviously leads to like total devastation. So I wonder if like, because of all the technology we have now, like, can we predict that and kind of see that and warn people about it? Or it just happens in an instant. I think it happens in an
1: instant. And I think that they can, I think that they can, but I think it's one of those things that's like dangerous. So it's called the cataclysmic pole shift hypothesis. And it's a fringe theory suggesting that there have been geologically rapid shifts in the relative positions of the modern day geographic location of the poles and the axis of the rotation of the earth, creating calamities such as floods and tectonic events. So you can look that up and there's a bunch of information on it. And they've said that we've had to update GPSs because of the the shifts. And there's just a lot that's happening. So I don't know if it's because of global warming or us moving closer to the sun, but really there's a lot happening. And it was an interesting podcast to kind of hear about how people could prepare for that.
2: Just subscribed.
1: <laughs> literally. Uh, Milana was like, <laughs> so funny. We're like, we were literally hanging out for like two minutes and, sh- and we were like, all right, cool. So we're going to be doomsday preppers. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was crazy. But it was interesting. She was talking about, she's like, you know, if push comes to shove, like why are we trusting in electricity? Like why are we trusting in like all of these systems that we have set in place? Like if something were to happen, you really should just be prepared for yourself. And like, we're like, Justin and I don't have like all I have is powders in my cabinet. Like I don't have a single food in there. Like I would literally live off vitamins. I was thinking about that. Yeah. I was like, with the amount of vitamins I have, vitamins I could probably collagen. last for a long time. I know. Actually, you could last for a while. I'd be pretty glowy dewy. Totally. Like the world wouldn't end and I would look You could reflect the sun
2: and be like, there she is. I know, honestly. I would have long
1: flowing hair and I would well, be eating vitamins. Well,
2: that So is everyone have a great day. <laughs> See in- you at the end of the world. Yeah, enjoy your life. <laughs> but you have to think about that. I don't have an earthquake kit. Either. and I live alone too. that is that scares me dude I know um I just would hope uh, well I hope it's just like not that bad and I, I I would be able to like be in the middle of somewhere that wouldn't and nothing would collapse on top of me <laughs> of course Do you know what I mean of course <laughs> you're like hey guys
1: if there's an earthquake I would just like to be somewhere comfortable maybe out of town <laughs> well I'm
2: thinking of like my little courtyard out there I'm like yeah. oh I guess that's kind of where I would run yeah. So I'm on the second floor so I don't know. I don't know
1: what happens either. I'm going to listen to the podcast. Yeah, especially for the LA ladies. Interesting. Totally. It's another thing though. I'm just like, oh man, there's so much to there's so much to be scared about. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh, cool, here's another thing to be terrified of mm-hmm. in addition to X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, anyway, Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> Enjoy that one. Uh on today's podcast, we have Biet Simkin, one of our dearest friends.
1: Yeah, she was dropping some major knowledge. Um Biet is a Dear friend of ours, like we said, she is a meditation teacher. She is a motivational speaker. She hosts events all over the world. Um, She is a powerhouse with a beautiful, beautiful story. So I would definitely search Beat Simkin Almost 30 in iTunes and find our first episode with her. We did it actually maybe in our sixth or seventh month of hosting the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really powerful episode.
2: She's great too, because, you know, she grew up with a father who was deeply spiritual, but she combines like ancient wisdom that she learned from him with kind of this just like beautiful, youthful energy and and people get it. Yeah. And she's changed a lot of people's lives. And she's a new mom. She has one of the cutest babies I've ever seen. The most beautiful it's baby. too her.
1: much. I didn't want to hold it. I didn't want to hold her a lot because I didn't want to get too attached. Mm. I honestly was like, oh, I, I can't do this right now. I can't love you too much right now.
2: Yeah. She has these cute little eyebrows. She's, beautiful.
1: <laughs> She's so beautiful. And in this episode, Biette dropped tons of knowledge. We talked a lot about how she breaks a lot of her negative thought patterns, um, which I am fascinated by. We talk about how she brings abundance into her life. Uh, we talk about the new book. We talk about motherhood, how that was a very spiritual experience for her. So we really um, ran the gamut with topics. But you know, I was just blown away with some of the things that she said during our interview. Yes.
2: And her new book, Don't Just Sit There, is on Amazon now. So order it. And you can also order the audiobook version of it, which she recorded herself. And she has such a beautiful, soothing voice. And her music is rad, too. You can find her music everywhere music is sold. So iTunes, on Spotify, B I E T S I M K I N uh, is how you spell her name. But I just love her. Yeah, me too.
1: So enjoy this episode. And then for announcements, just really quick for us, we are in London. In the next couple of days. So make sure to buy your tickets for the Peter Kelly event that we have. We have an event with Jenna Zoe, which is going to be a human design event where everyone will get a human design chart and we will teach you how to read charts. And then we're going to have a healing day with Milana Snow. And that's going to be on the weekend. So make sure to come to those events if you're in London, invite your friends. We would love to see you. Yeah.
2: And even if you have like if you're in Europe and it's really easy to get to London, maybe you make a trip with your girlfriends, you know, we just would love to hang. So almost 30 podcast.com. You'll see our new site up there. Uh, go to the tour events tab and you have all of the info. Um, okay. We love you all. We love Share you. this episode. If you love it, rate and review on iTunes. We'll read a review on the other side of this and we'll talk to you later. Woo. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, Superhuman. Superhuman.
1: Two years ago, maybe. I don't even know. Forever ago. And I emailed her and pitched her and she's like, sorry, I'm not 30. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm over 30. Yeah, you're like, well, I'm over 30. Well, now I'm turning
1: 40 in a few days. I oh know because I think at that time, yeah, you were like 38. I was
0: yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Do you feel 40? Now I do. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I
2: can't wait to be 40. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Yo. <laughs> it's like a weird thing. Yeah, life I don't know gets why. better. It does. does. It, always it always does, does. To be like, honest as women, I, I, probably mm. as men too, men get like even better looking. I think we get better looking too. There's this mm. thing that happens mm. when we like are more in our bodies mm. and confident. Hopefully if that's kind of how feel it feels.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't know if I look better, but I feel you like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel I so embodied. Yeah. I didn't uh, feel embodied at 30 at all. I was And like, how was pregnancy as far as like embodiment? Was that like insane? It was so amazing. It's much easier to be embodied when you're pregnant. Why? So because you've got a fucking baby inside yeah. of you. Am I allowed to curse? Yes. No. Because <laughs> because um, I didn't know. Maybe you had like listeners in like India or something. There's someone I did a podcast once and they Wait, were like, "Well, we have, uh, we have a we have a very intense listener base in like India and they don't like they cursing? don't like cursing. I don't know. Oh, I was wow. Like, oh, I didn't know. Well. <laughs> Oops! Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we probably do yeah. in India. Yeah, honestly. love Hello. and respect. Yeah. Uh, so it's easier when you're pregnant. And everyone was like, "All oh, your food problems and like body issues will just go away after this." And because they went away while I was pregnant, all my like food and body stuff just was gone. And then as soon as I had her it came right back. Really? And it did. And I was like, fuck, they said this wasn't coming back. And, but now it's gotten better. But to be honest, for me, it's gotten better because I like follow a very strict regimen and that works for me. Everyone's different. Some people like to like, you know, eat a lot of ice cream and that makes them feel beautiful. Like I can't do that. I'm an addict, you know? Yeah. I feel that. Cause you, what, what is your regimen then? I just eat a lot of vegetables and a little protein. I don't do carbs really. Mm. And uh, not because it's trendy, but because carbs are basically like heroin to me. Like I eat one bite and then I go into some kind of like weird trance blackout. And the next thing I remember is I return to planet earth and everything was on my plate is now gone. And even if it was like, it doesn't matter what the quantity was, like had it been a pot of something or a whole pizza, like it'll be gone because there's something about that carb slash maybe carb plus dairy mixture that makes me feel like my mom just got resurrected from the dead yes. and I'm like oh wow it's all good and my like, mom is back and, and then I wake up to like the pizza's gone and my mom is actually still dead and I'm like this is so <laughs> shitty dude I feel that because you follow you were the
1: one that introduced me to actually Danica Brisha, but then you also too
0: Janine Roth Janine right? Roth
1: yeah um, and did you discover her and she helped you? Cause I'd love to talk a little bit about her and how she's yeah. impacted you. She
0: blurbed my book. No her. way. Yeah. It's on the back of the book. She's powerful. She is powerful. Was it the book that women, food and God that
1: you read that changed your life with that? Or what was no, it with her? No, it was a
0: workbook that she did. So she okay. did a workbook called, it's a joke. It's why wait, but like wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like, weight heavy. Mm-hmm. And, and you do like the exercises inside that helped me a lot. And, and then I went to one of her retreats that yeah. helped me as well. In May. Yeah. Did you go last year? No, I went like before that. Oh, that okay. was like a second time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. I'll go
1: with you next time.
2: Yeah. Let's do it. I would love to do that. Yeah. So bring us back. Cause I know um, baby Cash was conceived when we almost like when we saw you last. Maybe you were basically one, outside one your time window
0: before. <laughs> Truly outside the Christoph yeah, was joking we that saw we were it. having like a foursome. Uh, yeah, it was all of us. <laughs> I don't know he if that like, baby's yours. He was like, <laughs> maybe you know, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he honestly. he was saying that it was kind of also your guys' it, since uh, you were involved. One hundred percent.
1: we swept we pushed you off for the night and we said goodbye, lovebirds. I mean, we all uh, came, so it's hard to say. One hundred percent. When I looked at Cash, I was like, she could be mine
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah what was going on at that time were you trying to get pregnant Were like you know and with your your body issues that you spoke about just kind of like how you felt that was impacting maybe conceiving like I don't know I've never tried to conceive um so just kind of bringing that spiritual piece of like things that need to be aligned in order to conceive in Mm. your experience
0: can i be a i mean i'm going to yes. be kind of intense with this answer yes. so yeah, i you're don't intense with almost everything i know i <laughs> uh, really i'm kind you're of you're like a can, dick, I just you know? can i just <laughs> know? i love it <laughs> well the thing is is that there's a lot of listeners too who are listening to this and they're probably having these kinds of problems and so what i'm going to say is going to sound a little aggressive or insensitive to the to that plight so i want to you know kind of caveat and say like i'm i am sensitive to all people's problems, Mm. including my own. Like I'm not, I'm human, but I didn't have a belief around this. I did not have a belief that I have trouble conceiving. I did not have a belief that my body was in any way. Like I, you know, I had what they call a geriatric pregnancy because after 35, apparently that's what it's called. Wow. That needs to change. Wow. I can't wait
1: to have a geriatric pregnancy. (laughs) Honestly,
2: I'm going to have a geriatric wedding.
1: (laughs) I'm going to get a sweatshirt that says geriatric preg. (laughs)
0: Really? And I'm like, I look so young and like, I just feel so young. And so like when I heard about that, I was like, that's so weird because I really don't think that I'm going to have any trouble getting pregnant. I just feel so fertile. I have a very steady period. Oh, and then I was on birth control for like six years. So I got off of it like a a year before we conceived because I, or like six months, six months before we conceived, I was like, you know, I'd like to get pregnant maybe this year. So like, I'm going to get off it just so that my body can regulate. And I spoke to this woman who's like a fertility expert. And she was like, you're going to be fucked. Like you don't understand. You've been on it for six years. I literally went back to a perfect period within three weeks. What? So it's not true. Like there's a lot of mental stuff around this stuff. Like I just believed that my body would return to normal yes. and it's so it did. And, and then I felt really good. And I felt very good and hot in my body, like at that point in time. And we were, we eloped with Shaman Durek. I remember that. Right. And then it was so windy. It was so windy <laughs> <laughs> and beautiful. It was like, we were like, let's get the fuck out of this yeah. beach. But anyway, we, we left and it was such a beautiful time. And then we were like, let's go to, yeah, field trip. And Christoph was considering flying home. But then he was like, no, I think I'm just going to join you. So he changed his flight, came with me to, yeah, field trip. And we made it kind of like a faux honeymoon almost. And then, and I turned to him and I was like, hey, babe, like I'm ovulating according to the app. And he was like, you want to bang? And I was like, sure. And we had sex once. And then he left for New York and two weeks later I saw him, I was totally pregnant. So there was no trying. And I also just don't believe in trying. Like what's to try? Like fuck your fucking partner on the kitchen floor. Like you want to get a fucking baby? Love harder, you know, love a lot. And that's not to say for like all the people who are cursed with really fucked up shit around bearing children. I just spoke to someone recently who had a horrible thing happen. I've had a lot of horrible things happen, which I know we're going to get into some of this stuff, but it's like between my last daughter dying and my house burning down and I get horrible stuff, but how much of the horrible stuff that we endure is our, of our making? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying that if I'm not saying that my shit, I'm not responsible for, then how come people are saying like, I just don't know. It's because of the pharmaceutical industry. It's like, no, it's because
2: of you. Why do people take on those stories? Like if someone has, you know, a, an experience around like their womb or maybe carrying a child and miscarrying and just saying like, well, I'm not made to have a child or I, I'm a liability when it comes to having a child. Like, why do we take on those stories that tend to like tell our body that we're not? You know, instead of just believing that it is a place where it can be fertile and et cetera.
0: I think we like the story and Mm -hmm. we it's a harder thing to sacrifice certain stories than it is to keep them, right? So I, I think we all have stories that we're still telling ourselves, everyone at this table, right? But like those stories, the difference I think between like when I think about myself today versus myself 20 years ago, it then I had a lot of stories that I really believed were so true that I was a victim of them. Today, I still have a few stories that I'm telling, but I'm like eager to find them. I'm curious about them. And when someone points it out to me, which I have really good friends who do, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I'm not like, no, I'm fine. That's not true. It's the pharmaceutical industry, you know, like, or Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, I don't blame that my dad was poor or that my mom died or that, you know, there's a lot of fucked up things that happened. That's not the reason that I am vain. It's not the reason why I'm full of shit. It's not the reason why, whatever, like flaws that we have, you know, or like my eating disorders, like have not been because, um, of, the modeling industry.
2: Or social
1: media or something. Yeah. Like
0: it's not because of when I scroll social media, I get jealous. That's not their fucking fault. It's me, like, not, like, afraid to love myself. Because if I loved myself, I'd have to really lose a lot more when I die. That's terrifying, you know? Like, how much, you know what I mean? Yeah. What's an example of, like, a time when a friend has, has
1: called you out on a story? And how did they do that?
0: Um
1: Thinking. Yeah. Because it's such a, that's challenging.
2: Now, yeah.
0: And I want to know how to do that yeah. or how to receive that. How to do, yeah. How to do it or how to receive it. Or even Kristoff. Yeah. I mean, just recently, like I was at lunch with a friend of mine and I said, well, some people don't get what I'm up to in the world. And she just looked at me like, well, who are you being that has them not getting what you're up to? She didn't. She didn't take it at like, oh, I guess some people just don't get the greatness of Biet. Like she was just like, oh, really? So you have some ideas around how you're not great still? And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and it was cool. It was yeah. just like, I just landed for me. I was like, oh, this is a person who's saying something true. And it felt good. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it was just in the moment, quick.
1: Yep. And true. Yeah, I think the truth is key. And for when you were in your 20s, what kind of stories were you telling yourself?
0: Ooh. Oh, man. I was so full of shit. I still am. Yeah? No, but like, I don't think you're this level. i just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Well, you know, different. I believed, you know, I believed that I was unlucky and that I wasn't getting certain breaks because of X, Y, and Z. The truth is, is that I was you know, locked in a lot of, a lot of um, pain and creating more pain for myself by dating the wrong people, by doing drugs, by drinking heavily, um, by not learning how to make money by, you know, like I didn't want to do the work that it took. I knew how to be spiritual, but the trouble with spirituality is that it really is, you know, that yin yang symbol where it's like the black and the white and the white and the black. So it's like, I just wanted to do like the white, you know, I didn't want to get with the black or, or the other way around, whatever. I just, I wanted to do one side of it where I looked good, all the things that looked good. And I wasn't willing to look bad. And I, I do believe that success comes from willingness to look really bad. that's a good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's actually really, really true about, and those are just a lot of story examples that people can look at in their lives as things that they maybe are telling themselves. I mean, in high school, I used to say that too. I'm like, I'm so unlucky. And it was like, actually hundred percent my fault, you know, a lot of things. And just thinking about what people say repeatedly about themselves, about the way they look, about relationships. I think that happens a lot of times where people are like, why do I keep getting in these, you know, relationships with these guys that are not, knowing my worth or not meeting me at a certain place. And it's really more on people than they think, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of it, it's what's, what's challenging about it is that a lot of it's not our conscious doing. A lot of it is subconscious programming around things that may make it more challenging to figure out what exactly is happening. That is attracting something that you don't want. And I think that's where it gets really tricky is like figuring out how reprogram your subconscious. So starting with the conscious part of it and then going to the subconscious to kind of rewire around whatever story you're telling you that's limiting you.
0: Exactly.
2: I also think it's interesting when we take on other people's stories, I guess, whether it's like our parents yeah. or even at a certain age, like our friend group, it's kind of easier to take on that like community narrative rather than have your own. Have you ever experienced that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was just talking to someone about this and I mean, my father had, he used to say like, you know, my dad didn't believe in money and he was just like, I don't care about the money, you know? And he, what ended up happening was he had a lot of clients who had money, you know? And he would say, oh, well, like they have so much money and they have so many fucking problems. And like, he had these ideas that like, uh, money equals problems. So I think he kind of kept money from himself as well. And I, I always believed his bullshit, which was that he just didn't care about money, which may actually have been true for him because he was so like woke in his own special. He was a really eccentric guy. So maybe that was true for him. But I took it on when I was older, and I said things like I just repeat, I mimicked him, and I said like, you know, people. I didn't say it with the Russian <laughs> <Yeah. myself. laughs> accent. like, who are you? I like, I want you to. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I was just like, hey, you know, like rich people are fucking evil. It's part like, of the vibe, the, with yeah, music
1: the, and the, what you were doing like fits the vibe of that. Yeah, you want to be struggling.
0: Yeah. in a way. I think I did, you know, I wanted to be, I didn't though. Like I remember like being in people's million dollar mansions and like laying underneath their grand piano, snorting heroin and being like, why isn't this my mansion? And why isn't this my piano? And it's like, motherfucker, like, cause you're snorting heroin, like under a piano. Totally. Like, but I just <laughs> couldn't put the pieces together, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my God. Well, I love that. Yeah. Those little vignettes of like <laughs> moments. And do you kind of going into motherhood, did you have any li- limiting beliefs as far as being a mother? Like people from the outside see you. I mean, we were like, I don't think I've ever been more excited for someone to become a mother than you, <laughs> but like, but you know what I mean? So like
0: just anything inside of you that was like,
2: oh my God, am I ready for this? Or, oh my God, you know, fill in the blank.
0: Yeah. I, uh, my mom died when she was 39. I had a baby, this baby when I was 39, I'm turning 40, which in my mind, like, I know that's like this Saturday and forever who is listening, obviously it's not this Saturday, but whatever. Like the point is, is that it's really coming soon. And I just have a part of me that's not quite certain I'm going to make it because my mom died at 39. So I was very scared about becoming a mom because I I didn't want to leave a child here motherless. And I i had a lot of beliefs around myself dying. I thought I was going to die during labor. I thought it was, I just really couldn't quite grasp how I was going to make it. And I had a lot of help. Thank God, you know, I have people in my life that support me and, you know, I turned to them and would say like, I think I'm going to die. And they'd be like, ha you're not going to die. But I said that probably like hundreds of times during the pregnancy. And then I didn't have, I mean, I have money. I, I make a really good living, but like I I didn't have the kind of money that I believed was necessary for a person to live the kind of life that I, you know, live. And I'm going to get to this really fun story. So I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I believe in the freedom to like hire help and, and go live a big life. And, you know, I had a book coming out and I was like, I have a book coming out. Like, how am I going to do this with a baby? Like, I don't want to be like, you know hand washing right. underwear while i'm like trying to connect with my PR team like i want <laughs> i wanted like this luxurious life right and so i was like i was waiting in a way like i was like i shouldn't have a kid until i'm like oprah levels of famous you know and then it dawned on me that like that's probably not how this works and actually that's a lie that i'm telling myself that's and i so i remember i was at this party And I had, I was really, I was not pregnant yet. We were just talking about it. We weren't trying. We were just talking about that soon we would get pregnant in one shot. And so I was like talking about it And I was like, oh God, I'm not Oprah Levels famous. So I shared that with someone that I'd never met before, like at a party. And they were so horrified for me. Like they were like, oh my God, Biet, like that's, that's so, and they tried to console me. Like they were like, that's so like dark. And I was like, you think you're telling me something I don't know? Like I'm sharing something with you that's obviously not something, that's something that I would want to hide from everyone. I want everyone to think that I'm rich and I'm fucking perfect. And that I'm Oprah levels of famous, even though I'm not yet. And Mm -hmm. so like, for me to say this to you, it means that I'm sharing something with you that has a lot of lava in it. It has a lot of power. And it was weird because I shared it and they did the thing that I thought they would do, which was Mm -hmm. try to like, console me, which I was just like, you don't, you're you not getting what I'm saying here. Yeah. This is like some real shit. And I walked away feeling so empowered because I was like, all right, all right, cool. Like now that person knows that I'm not over levels of famous, even though like in my mind, that's like the most embarrassing thing. Anyway, the point is, so then I was like, go forward. I remembered that I had this contract with the soul and I was like, I'm going to have this baby. And there was a million things that went wrong during the pregnancy too. Like I had a super easy pregnancy, but we found out that she had like a turned foot and we had to give her surgery. She had a surgery. With no him. way. Like, yeah. Like in so, the womb? No, no. Oh, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> wow. Oh my God. <laughs> like so technology. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, she had one recently, like oh. before as a baby, but, um, But yeah, so like I had this whole thing. Anyway, she was born and I'm like, I almost died. Like as soon as she was born, I came home from the hospital and had like this episode where I was vomiting nonstop for seven days. I couldn't keep an ounce- I couldn't keep a sip of Gatorade down. They had to take me back to the ER over and over. I had the doula and my husband circling me 24 hours a day. I was breastfeeding the whole time. I had no calories in my body. I looked like Angelina Jolie. I know it's really, really difficult. But like I was, I honestly prayed for death that week. Like I've never, like I looked up to what I call God and I was like, if this is how it is, like I'm good. Like you can take me. And I really was certain that I was going to die because I'd never been so sick in my life. And I do believe that came from the belief that I was going to die and also a processing of the grief of losing my last daughter. And having been cut open in the exact same spot, I think really opened up this like wormhole. Wow. And so then I made it. And of course I made it in like the most Biet way. Like we're sitting at the ER and I've been vomiting for seven days straight. I'm on like an IV drip and my husband is sitting next to me having a meltdown, like trying to call for 24 hour nanny surveillance while I'm getting admitted to the hospital because I may die. And all of a sudden I turned to him like RoboCop and I'm like, is that rice? And he was like, yeah, it's basmati rice from the bodega. And I was like, I'm so hungry. (laughs) And he was like, what? He was like, do you want some? And I was like, yeah, I'm so hungry, and he's like, "Okay," and I like grabbed it from him and started shoveling. You're it like in my carbs, hell yeah! <laughs> and your that body's like, diet. "I gotta die to get carbs." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> so so I was like yeah. shoveling it in my mouth, and he's like, "Slow down, babe. Like you almost died. Like you haven't been able to eat anything in a week." And it just ended. Like in that moment, it just wow. ended. oh my God, I think I can be a mom. I think I can do this. And that's when it hit me, the reality that I don't have enough money. And I was like, well, not enough money, whatever. (laughs) I make a lot of money, but it was like not what I envisioned. Mm. And so that week I just opened up my heart and I doubled my income. No way. Yeah. How? I mean, like I did a bunch of things. I did a bunch of things different, but like a lot of changes occurred right then and there. And it was like, all of a sudden I just got all these like speaking gigs and like weird opportunities started coming in and people giving me like $20,000 bills for like, you know, the work that I do, but just, it wasn't like, it just started flowing. And I think it came from me deciding that I don't have to be Oprah levels of fame to have a baby, that this baby can be the vehicle that brings energetically that brings all the wealth in wow that's insane what was the baby foot surgery she was born with a club foot so her foot was like turned in oh. and so they had to and yeah it was just like horrifying Yo, that, what like no 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 you could never watch a baby Put we had to watch no yeah. she wasn't put under they oh. like yeah she was a she was awake she, they just like numbed her little leg and good oh, wow. baby surgery oh it was like a muscle thing that was pulling yes got it got it got it I wow. thought it was and it was like, like four three full casts on her leg plus of that and now she wears these orthopedic boots at night
2: now what a freaking doll
0: <laughs> so i'm so
2: <laughs> interested about this like kind of you know, this source of abundance, like not specifically what it was, but just kind of like how you shifted or how you believe you shifted your, your mindset to let it come in. Like, was there a letting go of a certain kind? Or I I just kind of want people to understand because a lot of girls have been asking about, you know, manifestation as it relates to money, as it relates to love, but just kind of like the shift that happened, however subtle or big. What did it feel like?
0: Yeah, it felt like, you know, I remember I had this coach many years ago and she used to say to me, she was like, <laughs> she's like, you need to get connected to your results. And that's, she, I mean, that's like the best <laughs> invitation I could do of her, but she was just like, you need to get connected to your, you were disconnected from your results. And I just know that for me, like... I don't know if you guys can relate, but like, I really have a disconnect sometimes from like the reality of who I am and where I am in the world and what I'm up to versus what I think, you know, that I'm like in my mind, like, because I'm always (laughs) comparing myself to who I'm becoming. And so I'm like, well, I'm not like at Madison Square Garden guiding 20,000 people through a meditation yet. So it must not be true. But, and then I'm like comparing me to me you know what I mean? And so I think I just got it. I got connected to what an epic show I'm putting on in the world. And something about giving birth to her and the courage that it took to give birth again after losing Ula, it was like it it opened up this fierceness in me and I feel like my my entire meditation sequence changed in that moment too. Like somehow I started incorporate I was like, "Oh, I'm going to grab these breathwork exercises that I've been only doing with private students. And, oh, I'm going to grab this anger practice that I've only been doing with private students. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I just put them all together and I started doing it live. And it's, it literally turned into like this rock and roll concert and people were like screaming. Like it was just, and I've done, now I've done like four experiences with like about four or 500 people since then, all since she was Well, not since she was born, but she was since she was in my womb. And like, it's like, I don't know, it's just next level. Did you like connect with her at all? Like, did you talk to her
1: when she was in the womb? Like, you know, just even like in your mind's eye, just being like, hi, I love you. I see you.
0: Like, what was like the connection that you tried to cultivate through pregnancy? I didn't connect with her actually until she was born. And I felt like really like bad like a bad mommy, you know, like I was like, wanted to like rub my belly and be like, Oh God, I'm so luscious and like filled with life. I didn't feel like that. So instead I connected more and more with my own mom, you know, that's the damn. How so? Well, she died when I was six and I just have always felt like she wasn't, I felt like she didn't love me or I felt like, if, if she had loved me more than she would have stayed or like, I felt like I I was a bad kid for like not keeping her alive. I don't know what, you know, a six-year-old comes up with, but that's what I came up with. You know, she died. And when I met my daughter, which was when she came out, I just got it. It was the first time I ever really realized how sad my mom must have been to leave the planet and how heartbreaking it must have been for her to break up with me and all this time I'd been thinking that she left me and thinking about myself and, oh, well, woe is me, like motherless child. Meanwhile, it's like, how hard must it be to be a young 39-year-old mom and have to leave a six-year-old daughter behind knowing there's nothing you can do about it because you've got pancreatic cancer. Mm. Wow. That is a shift. It's a real shift. though. Wow. And I, I just feel like I love her more than I've ever loved her. And I've started really giving her a voice. I feel like my mom had some things to say. And I feel like I get to say them for her. And ever since I like got that, it's like everything has been so much more powerful in me. Mm. How
1: have you, do you connect with her in meditation or dreams or how are you like this, this experience? Are you just getting downloads of this information or what, what's the process for making this connection with your mom?
0: Um, I mean, originally it was a friend of mine channeled some stuff to me saying, you need to talk to your mom. Like she heard it from her channel and I was like, okay. And I heard her, you know, when you hear someone they're like, oh, you're saying something true. So it was like that. And, um. And then I, um, yeah, I pray all the time. And I just say, Mom, please speak through me. Please be with me. Yeah. it's
2: mm. beautiful. Has your relationship with Kristoff kind of evolved as baby Cash came into the picture and just as you've kind of found a different type of power too, like you just mentioned?
0: Kristoff, I love him. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's amazing. I mean, we're just both very much in love with her. So it's like a weird, it's a weird thing. It's it's It changes the relationship in a big way because there's like another person in it. I'm excited to get to know him again. I feel like we've been together for almost 10 years now. And it feels very much like he's in a process of becoming a new person. And I'm excited to meet. This next person, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like right now we're like fostering. It's almost like we're giving birth to the new ourselves, uh, which is something we always did, and I think happens every five years or so anyway. But there's something about with the baby, right? He's become a father, which is like it's just next level, and he's a great dad. And he's so I'm sweet. Sure. I'm sure. You guys are such buds. Mm-hmm. Um, buds, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I read this piece a long time ago about there was this man that wrote a story about his relationship with his wife. They were together for, you know, 70 years or something like that. And he's like talked about, he's like, I married four women. I married the woman, you know, that we dated. I married the mom and I married, like talking about basically the beauty and the evolution of her changing Mm -hmm. and how that was almost – Part of the reason that kept him around and, and not kept him interested, but it was kind of like honoring the beauty of the evolution and allowing that to be intriguing and allowing that to bring curiosity and allowing that to bring a sense of excitement, you know, rather than being a fearful of it, rather than trying to deny it, rather than trying to stunt the growth, but almost seeing it as like, you know, people cheat mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's really like you, that person you're with could be 10 people when you're together. And that could be exciting.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's
1: crazy. Okay. So let's talk about the book. What What was like, did you always, I knew you always were going to write a book, but was it a download or like, what was like the genesis of, of writing the book?
0: Uh, it was a download. I've been studying this work my whole life. My father, who was also, um, we talked about in the beginning of the show, but like he was this incredible teacher. And I've been doing this work with him called Fourth Way Work my whole life. And after he died, um, which was 11 years ago, I got sober. And then in sobriety, I kind of like realized that I needed to return to my father's work. And so I did. And I pursued studying it in a very condensed way since then. And really um, studying it led very quickly to me teaching it, like, because it was already in me. So basically I just returned to it, made it my life's purpose. And within a couple of years, it was like generating a certain level of um, content out of me and through me. Because it's a living thing, wisdom, right? Wisdom is something we eat. And then we have to regurgitate it into the world cuz it's otherwise we get nauseous cuz we just like f- overfull on all that wisdom and so the work this fourth way thing it's a it's a secret most people who study it are either dead or in their late 80s like it's not widely used currently and when it was used it was wildly misunderstood by many people so like some people think it's like a cult kind of thing or you know, there's just like a lot of ways to misunderstand something. And so I feel like I do not misunderstand this work and I've been able to actually take what's useful in it and process it into this incredible book. And inside the work of the fourth way idea is that there's these 44 laws that present, that keep us from enlightenment, right? And so it dawned on me in a meditation that the book should be 44 laws and that, unpacking each law, giving people it really it's like you could use it as a study group this book like you could get the book and have seven friends or 12 friends or whatever the fuck and you could meet every week and just go over one law and then spend the week looking and seeing how that law applies and look works in your life because it is real and it is working against you in your life and if you get it and if it fully lands, you no longer have to live under that law. you can live above the law. And then your life becomes like what we're talking about here. Like, uh, I doubled my income in a week. It's like, I mean, that's in the real world. And that's the thing about fourth-way work is that it's meant to be done by a householder. It's meant to be done by a person in the world, not by someone who shaves their head and goes off to the mountains, which I know none of us are planning on doing So <laughs> <laughs> My hair the only time. thing. <laughs> yeah. Can you give
2: us me. an example? One of those laws and kind of how, um, you know, you see it in the real world and how you can live above it.
0: There's and, so many. There's, there's 44. So many.
2: I know. <laughs> Literally, What's it's law, number <laughs> <laughs> law number
0: one? Law number one. Then they, they're not in any particular order is the other thing. So like, God, I really don't. I didn't plan for That's this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's the law of seven. Uh, And the law of seven is also called the law of success. And it basically unravels as uh, a sequence of events that will follow for any pursuit that you have. And the book explains how there's actually like a map of what happens when one takes a journey Mm -hmm. and what is to be expected, some of which is denying force, which means anything that you wish for, anything that you want to do in this life, anything will have difficulties and denying force inside of it. And I, I think that if I was like the writer of The Secret or something, like I would just like, I would just skip that part of, you know, telling you because like the whole point of like law of attraction is to be like, no, I've only focused on the one thing. Of course, I'm only focused on the one thing. But the point is, is that I get that there's going to be denying force along the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Madison Square Garden. Like one of my visions is to be in Madison Square Garden, guiding everyone through an epic meditation experience, my meditation experience, right? Scored by my music, the whole fucking thing. And so last year I had this opportunity that I was going to guide people at Madison Square Garden. And it was this huge, it wasn't going to be like the full stadium. So, but it was still, it was like, oh, I'm moving in the right direction. (laughs) I'll take it. And I was so excited about it. And then like three weeks before it happened, they canceled on me and I was so devastated, but I was also having, I was having a week that week where I was, do you guys ever transcend and just live in complete bliss? Like for any period of time, even if it's a few minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So imagine that for like a week. That's the state I was in in that moment. So I was in the state of complete love and I felt like I was tripping on acid because I was like, this is the worst email I've ever received. The worst news I've ever gotten. But because I'm in this state of love. Like I can't see it as that. Like I couldn't see it as that. Mm. And so I emailed the guy and I said, I just wanted to thank you because I am on my way to the most epic experiences. And, and I forget exactly how I worded it, but I was just like on every travel to the most epic finale and a completion, there are, there are trials And this trial, this email that you sent me telling me you've canceled me is one of the most painful things I've ever received. So I can only imagine that means I'm moving in the right direction. And I just was like, I just want to thank you for showing me that I'm moving in the right direction. And I thank you and I love you. And may your event be like blissful. And if there's still room for me, like, let me know. Mm. I will like hop on and be right there. And it felt so like... Mm empowered like I didn't feel like oh like you didn't tell me and there's three weeks to go and you owe me like you know this money like nothing you know I was just like you just got it he's like all right lady (laughs) (laughs) you're like having this
1: moment
2: you're like thank you so much he's like got it yeah but it's but I love yeah that's that understand it's like the immediate understanding it's It's almost like it gave you that blissful feeling and then gave you that news
0: it gave me. Yeah. You
2: know what I mean? Like the blissful,
1: it was like, okay, we're going to put you in this state where you can see clearly.
0: Right. Do you and know what that, I mean? Well, it's interesting because so this law of seven is, is, is designed in such a way and we don't know about it. And so most people spend their whole life in the very first epoch of that travel. Right. So they're like, I've got an idea. I'm going to write a screenplay. And then they never do it. I actually did a seminar once where this person was like, i want to write screenplay but I just haven't and it's been five years and I was like five years you know what I mean can you imagine mm-hmm. of course you can because we've all been there but I'm just like wow like and, we, and if we then we say like screenplay and then the next day it's like I'm thinking about taking up ballet You know, I've really been into Tibetan Buddhism and then it's like Tibetan Buddhism one day, ballet the next day. Now I'm getting into five rhythms. Now I'm doing this. Now I'm doing that. Now I'm going to go do an ayahuasca trip. Like, okay, I get Mm -hmm. it, but you're not fucking finishing. There's no finish line. You know, there's no clarity of purpose, you know? And so I think all of us have a dream that actually has legs. And then I believe that people like Michael Jordan, like when they were like flying through the fucking air, to do crazy shit with that ball. like I do believe that at some point along their journey, they were faced with a similar experience, similar to the email that I just described, where it was like, not going to happen. You're a fucking loser. Who the fuck do you think you are? That moment, definitely. And then somehow they were able to see it differently. It's like almost like Alice in Wonderland. It was like turning it on its head and being like, what if this doesn't mean... You know, what if this doesn't mean, like my book is called, don't just sit there. It's like, get up, fucking do something. But it could Mm -hmm. also be read as don't just sit there. Like it could be read either way. Like it could, it's not one fucking thing, you know, everyone wants the fucking answer. (laughs) Yes, they do.
1: For the seven. So is the, the, the law of seven, is that related to seven years? as far as the process, or is that seven steps of the journey to getting to in the goal? Or like, what does that, the law of seven actually mean as far as the number?
0: The law of seven is a cryptic secret law that's encrypted in our world. Okay. Okay. Right. So what you said makes perfect sense, right? Is it seven years? Yes, it is seven years, right? Is it seven colors in a rainbow? Yes, it is seven colors in a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, is it seven notes in a scale? Oh, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's seven notes in a scale. Like that's so weird. No, it's not. It's because the secret is hidden amongst us and that's where it's going to be concealed. And so in this book, I unveil how that principle mm-hmm. is actually working in our lives. And yes, it is seven uh, stages mm-hmm. to completion of something, two of which are, dif- one of which is difficulty and the other one is the law of impossibility. Mm. Like, if you're going for something that's impossible, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what a miracle is. A yeah. miracle is something impossible. Yep. That's why we like those people.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I the way it. you said that was so when you're like, that's why we like those people.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we like them a lot. We like them a whole lot.
2: But if you hear like those stories, I think I, I'm going to say it wrong. There is something about Michael Jordan's journey that is like, whether he didn't make the basketball team in high school or something like that. But then I was also watching this, um, I think the Dawn wall on Netflix and this guy was scaling El Capitan. It's not free solo. It's another one, but same rock face. Yeah. And along his journey, he was speaking of a because We can kind of hear a saw in the distance. He saw it off his finger. And in free climbing, you need your fingertips. But like, he was like, what are the odds? Yeah. What are the right, fucking odds? Right, right. Didn't have a finger, like a very important finger for, That's right. for climbing. And he fucking did it. Right. He trained the, like he trained himself. Like, there was wow. the, that was like the turning point. Yeah. It was like the absolute thing that would make it, in, quote unquote, impossible. Mm. And yes. then he fucking did it. So There's some rapper just,
1: too, I forget, that wild. like did- tattooed his face because then he wouldn't have to get a, like, it's like he, I forget which rapper it is because so many have their, so many have their faces tattooed. This is my, this is my knowledge. And they did it so that they couldn't go get a real job, that they had to make it in the rap industry. So they tattooed their face. So there was no other option. Oh, wow. Wow. That's funny. I know. That's wild.
0: thought about it. When you think about it too, you asked me earlier, like, what Mm. did it feel like being full of shit, right? That was the question. Like, what ways was I lying? Mm. The ways that it was, was that I didn't know how to transmute these things. And so when XYZ happened, which either a difficulty or of a law of impossibility happened, which they happened all the time because... This book actually shows you that so they will and so they shall. I just thought that that meant that the universe was against me and wasn't interested in my plan and was like going to stop me. So I was like, why am I going to even try if, you know, everything I try turns to shit. And now, I mean, this book kind of unravels how like, oh, really, babe, is that is that what's happening to you? So fucking unique. You know what I mean? That's so Mm -hmm. different. It's like Lacey
1: <laughs> Phillip calls calls them tests. Yeah.
0: So it's like just because there's a challenge or difficulty, it's
1: just making sure that you're willing to put in the work or you're willing to like go the extra mile for this thing, for yeah. this goal, for this dream. Mm-hmm. And so the book title, so why is it, so it's about these 44 principles. Why that title? Because it's like these 44 principles is part of a very old rhetoric, right? Yeah. So it's an interesting title to make it so like progressive and, and kind of not related to the fact that this is like ancient teachings, but Mm. I know that's purposeful. So I'd like you to talk about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, what Marianne Williamson did for A Course in Miracles is what I'm doing for fourth way work. And the truth is, is that I don't know anyone who is studying. a course. You know what I mean? Like people, they didn't know she brought it to them and I'm bringing it to the people and it's beautiful work. And the truth is, is that I'm not a zealot. I don't believe in like one type of teaching, but the fourth way lens is one that I've been using to understand all ancient texts. So if I'm reading about mystical Christianity, I am using the fourth way lens to grasp that. If I'm reading about Sufism, I'm using the fourth way lens to grasp that. And so it's really helped me to be able to fully understand, you know, and I'm not the first, I mean, Osho's teacher was Gurdjieff as well. And I know he's got a bad rap right now, but he was so special. I actually, oh, Osho. (laughs) Classic.
2: (laughs) I know my Osho. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, like your new meditations, whether live experiences or within your own meditation had breathwork practices. And then I don't know if you said anger practices or kind of what does that look
0: like? And like, can people be doing that as a part of their meditation practice? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, the breath is one thing I'm trying to think of where I've taught that breathwork that I do. I mean, it's a whole sequence, yeah. so I'm sure I'll be releasing it in some fashion um, or another. But the anger one is really just getting into a really. Uh, stressed out state of anger and allowing your body to charge in that anger by stomping and slamming your hands down on the ground and getting really hot and screaming and also screaming about specific things that you feel are grievances for you. because And then asking the, so I kind of do a dual thing, right? Because I, I used to like not, even know I was angry because I was so fucking spiritual. And then it dawned on me that, no, I'm actually really angry. And the more I pretend like I'm not, the more like this is blocking a really beautiful channel of energy through that's trying to make its way through me. Mm. And so as I started to let the anger flow through me and just get- You do rage rooms, right? Rage rooms.
1: Or don't you do like, you do an anger practice. I think you talked about with your coach or something. Or someone that you work with suggested an anger practice. I remember you talking about a yeah. while ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, a friend of mine. Yeah. Taught me this practice that like has this kind of grounding energy in mm-hmm. it. And I think she comes back from like a just, gest- is it just salt No. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like has like body work in it. Right. So it's like body using your body as a way to get the feeling to embody the feeling and to get the feeling through your body. I think I also like used to not know I had a body. I don't know if you guys can relate, but like I just was so spacey and so again, spiritual, like meditating all the time and being in this heightened state. I I feel like, you know, in the there's the Star of David, which is one triangle and another, and like I just thought I was only the upper triangle. I just needed to get into the lower triangle, mm-hmm. which is basically the vagina. And it's like pulling your vagina out on the sidewalk kind of thing. Totally. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. I
1: know. Like, <laughs> Who wants to see my pussy? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking
2: love that. Well, I'm that. sure birth had like a huge, yeah. like that was like the final, like I am in the lower triangle. Yeah. No? How I don't know because
0: I had be? a C-section, so uh, I might have yeah. missed
2: part of that. But well, but still, yeah. it's in your womb. Yeah. yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. Wow.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. Cause I, I think people think meditation or that time for for themselves to go inward has to look really peaceful or like look a certain way or sound a certain way or feel a certain way. So it's, it's nice to hear you say that. And it's kind of liberating to know that like your practice can also be super intuitive. And like, if you're feeling some sort of way one day and you want to move through it in, in that way, like get heated and yes,
0: and every really day, easy. I mean, there's this, yes. this rabbi who said like every day at 12 midnight or whatever time it was, he reserved 10 minutes for just despair, mm. you know, like every, he because he was like, well, I need at least 10 minutes to like get through all the despair because there's so much despair in the world and like, wow. I need that. And so it's clocked, like there would, an the alarm clock would go off and it's like despair time, you know? And I remember one time reading Regina Hour, you know, writing about, um, doubt, She had a doubt 10 minutes. I don't know if she got it from the rabbi, but the point is, is like, she was like, you need to give your doubt some room to breathe. Like it needs a minute to kind of just get juicy. And I think that's really been a shift for me. It's like letting my doubt and letting my anger and letting the pieces of me that I used to think were so fucking shameful, not just giving them room to breathe, but letting them show me what they're hiding they're hiding something from me. Like they're doing their best to hide from me the thing that makes you Michael Jordan. And I think I, I think all of us have this tendency to be like, ah, I don't want to look. So we run away from the thing that makes us great. Meanwhile, the thing that makes us great is right behind this anger, right behind this shame, right behind this doubt. It's right there. and And the more you can get facing it and like by chewing your teeth right into it and then like turning towards the world like Ozzy Osbourne with like a mouth filled with blood and just being like oh that's the other thing is like you can eat it like doubt and fear and rage they have their like bloody car you can get in there and you can really juice there's food in there for you But everyone turns away. We're taught to Mm. turn away. We're taught as children to, you know, stop screaming, calm down, like be nice and do the right thing. And it's like, oh, God, you know, like if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to get punished or I'm going to get laughed at. I'm going to pee my pants in public. You know, it's like, do it. Like pee your pants in public. Mm -hmm. Just for fuck, just like for the fun of it, you know, (laughs) just see what happens, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I think that Love should be you. our audio You want to make a million dollars? Pee your pants in public Fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to You want to double your income? Pull pee- your pussy out on the La brand <laughs> Pull the pussy out <laughs> You're like, And we're done You said yeah, I got 20k Pulling out my pussy <laughs> <laughs> Get arrested for it You know Just be like You am your pussy Hanging out and, Like the cops hauling you it's like, What's she doing? She's having a spiritual experience <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's amazing (laughs) oh man I've loved talking to you and I I love just like I love that you know we can see you and you are so real on social media and you're just you are you but I also just to hear you and and from however many years ago two and a half years ago to now and just how even you've evolved even more like just for someone who is so evolved to evolve even more and and to be so human through it all and I just, I know that our listeners are going to really like see themselves in you. And I think that's a gift that you have as much as you are up here. Like you, you are, you do, you are in that lower triangle and people do relate to you
1: like that. Yeah. You dropped bombs Mm -hmm. bombs on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So good Mm -hmm. for the
0: book. Where can people get it? Yeah. Amazon.com is is a good place. And it's called don't just sit there. And I mean, are you guys going to have like a link associated yeah, yes. with? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's Don't Just Sit There. And there's also going to be an audio book coming out. But are you going to do it? Great. I don't know when this is, is coming out. It's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. The When? The book's out now? No, it's coming out April 16th. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. One so is, um, are you doing the audio Yeah, I did the audio. It's done. Uh, It's coming out. So if you buy it now, you'll also get that on April Uh, 16th. And pre-orders are like recommended so that I can become a New York Times bestselling author. And what about your music? How's music? I mean, we
2: listen to your music all the time. Oh, thank you. Always wanting more.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited. There's definitely going to be new music. I well, kind of needed to birth this baby before I, I birth so. new music, but I just worked on a record, like on a song with my friend, Brandon. And so I think Brandon and I are going to be doing some more stuff. There's going to be more music coming and, um, and just more like live yes. experiences overall. Definitely. Up.
2: Can you do excited. lullabies? I mean, your, your yeah. music would be lo- great lullabies for babies anyway, but for maybe you, you should know.
1: that dude. Mm-hmm. That's cute. There's a lot of money in babies.
2: Is that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just fucking, I'm just kidding. Sounds like weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, but that'd be really beautiful. Especially Mm -hmm. like a conscious lullaby. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know? Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. I've been singing like a a Robin to her. It was like, you know. I'm oh, in the good. corner. Can uh-huh.
1: you kiss? Yes. Oh. I had a period where I was listening to Robin a lot. It <laughs> was really good. Robin. Robin's so good. really good. Yeah. She's so powerful. She's
2: well, thank you. We
1: love thank you, you so
0: much. I love you guys. Always. I Love you and so much. I'm gonna steal your baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where can people connect with you? Mm-hmm. Uh Bietsimkin.com or Instagram is at guided by Biet. And that's like a really good way because I'm I'm actually on there. I'm real. Yes, you no, are. I'm not a <laughs> bot. <laughs> you are real. It's true. She's real. I'm a bot. I am a bot, you are, actually. You are, yeah. you,
2: you are Robocop that turned to your husband and said, give me that Basmati, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would have loved to been there.
0: I know. Same. He's like, don't peek on me. <laughs> I'm like, "What?" Well, but people often say to me, they're like, oh, your phone, the phone, you know, it's like this machine, it's going to take over. And I'm like, but I'm already a machine. Like, it's not any different. Like, my soul is still, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that the work we're doing here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So,
1: A hologram
0: anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we love you. All right, you. love y'all. Thanks for
2: listening. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Biet. You're the best. So, Biet's book is on Amazon now. It's called Don't Just Sit There. It's incredible. And it's for real life. You know, it won't leave your head in the clouds. It's really things that you can take away and use immediately.
1: Yep, Bietsimkin.com at, at guided by Biet on Instagram. And you can connect with her to find events, speaking, meditation music, all of that information to
2: learn and hear more from that lovely lady. All right. Your review of the week, life changing, five stars. Ever since I discovered this podcast, my self care routine has leveled up times 1000. Every episode inspires me to do self-searching, journaling, and integrate more self-care rituals from human design, astrology, Ayurvedic eating. Just love, love, love it all. Thank you and keep the amazing content coming. That's from Jaina. Thank you. Thanks, babe. Leveled up a thousand times. Come on.
1: Actually, in my sleep last night, I was thinking of all the things that were free that were self-care. In my dream, I had a dream someone was talking shit saying that we only promote self-care that's expensive. And in my dream, I thought of a list of free shit.
2: That's hilarious. And a lot of that is what she said. So much is free. So much so much okay cool um, we love you all thank you so much for listening for rating and reviewing on iTunes it means the world to us it really helps us to not only you know get that place on the charts but really to bring on incredible guests like Beat and so many more and we're just really excited about this year we're gonna meet more of you on our 2019 tour we are going international um, we will see you in London and Denver in May so please go to almost 30 podcastcom and get tickets there And ambassadors all over the world, we are adding to our ambassador family feels like every day. And so if you don't have a subgroup uh, where you are, we'd love for you to be an ambassador for almost 30 in your area and you can create community where you are. It's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah. Last thing, your podcast pro for everyone that wants to start a podcast, wants to grow a podcast, wants to monetize a podcast. Your podcast pro is your resource for everything related to podcasting. Lindsay and I share every single thing that we use for almost 30 podcasts. So Y-O-U-R podcastpro.com. Woo-hoo. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.